Welcome. Welcome, St. Louis City fans, to this special throw-in episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. I am your host, Mike Turner, and joining me is Sean Campbell as we're going to give a preview of the San Jose Earthquakes and uh, the upcoming match against St. Louis City SC Saturday at City Park. We'll also give a rundown of what happened in MLS and a look at the just-completed round for the MLS teams in CONCACAF Champions League. Got a lot of go over here, but first we do have some St. Louis City SC news. Uh, MLS Next Pro finally released their schedule uh, for this upcoming season. Been delayed most likely due to the limbo status of uh, Rochester that ultimately folded. And uh, going over the schedule, wow, they messed things up here. Uh, the playoffs are uh, needlessly convoluted to say the least. But uh, one interesting rule that they had is that the team with the best record, the better record, gets to choose their opponent. Is that correct, Sean? Yeah, it's it's hard to explain because it's not quite the it's not the number one seed. The number one seed in each conference gets the buy. It's the number two and three seed then get to pick if they want to play the four or the five seed. Because there's, I believe it's five from each con- each conference make the playoffs, uh, meaning the top two from each division, and then the next highest seed between, you know, I- either one of those. Um, it-, it just, I don't understand it, why they need to do that. Just make it a simple two versus five and three versus four, give the one the bye. Needlessly complicated for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. I guess it does give the team with the better regular season record a little added advantage as they get to pick who they play. Also provides a billboard uh, information for opposing teams that either got passed up or <laughs> or we want to play them. We think they're weaker. Yeah, that's good for uh, putting on the uh, billboard in the locker room. Uh, another change in the rules is that players that are Subbed off, have 10 seconds to get off the field, or they'll be in uh, the team will play a man down for a full minute afterwards. That's an interesting rule. Really are taking that uh, anti diving rule a little extra far there, I guess. Because originally there was that if you're down for 10 seconds, they stop the clock and stop the play, and you have to be taken off for a certain amount of time. What was it, five minutes? Three minutes. Three minutes. We used to chant it. at the City 2 games last season, every time somebody went down. Uh, big thing about this, City 2 will be playing at City Park. At least that's what's on the schedule. The information I have is seating will only be on the lower bowl on the east side. Uh, those are the ones that say City on them when they're empty. And there'll be limited concessions. Uh, tickets are out there. It looks like you could get a season ticket for them, averaging out at about $8 a game. Information I saw was uh, single game tickets will be running about $13. And uh, for those interested and want to get a fill of soccer, there are a few uh, schedule in the schedule. There's a few weekends where City and uh, City 2 will both be playing the same weekend, but not the same day, at City Park. Also, around with city uh the league cup tickets uh, emails were sent out to season ticket holders for their option to exercise priority for all the home matches this is a package deal not a single game ticket those will go on sale a little later you all season ticket holders if interested have to uh submit and take their place uh by march 24th also there has been Another piece of silverware already for this club to put in the trophy cabinet. Uh, St. Louis City won the 2023 EMLS Cup. Nicholas NR7 Rasik beat Atlanta's Palo Neto. He gets $20,000 for the win. And this gets to couple with the MLS Next Pro's rather wonky Western Conference Championship trophy won last uh, year by City 2. And for uh, NR7, he gets to advance to the EA Sports FIFA 23 Global Series Playoff. So, St. Louis just keeps on winning. It's all coming up roses for us right now. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, 
So that's what we've got mainly with the news about City. Let's get to take a look at this upcoming match as St. Louis City will go for an unprecedented four straight wins to start their MLS career. And uh, that'll be Saturday at City Park. That's March 18th, 7.30 p.m. If you're watching from home, your English announcers on MLS Season Pass will be Eric Krakauer and Lloyd Sam. And uh, if you're watching it in Spanish, that'll be Sergio Ruiz and Miguel Gallardo. Uh, the last game for the San Jose Earthquakes, they won over the Colorado Rapids 1-0. Uh, they scored in the 78th minute on a Christian Espinoza thunderstrike from outside. Earlier, he had uh, had another great strike from outside that uh, the opposing goalkeeper got, got a touch to and put it off the bar. So he was dangerous and something to look forward to in this upcoming match on Saturday. Uh, the Quakes were in firm control, but they did have some trouble breaking down the rapid, solid defensive shape. And you don't, Colorado is pretty punchless, which has been a theme lately for them. They didn't ask many questions of the San Jose defense, but they still had their chances. Coming into this, injuries, we don't have an updated injury report. Um, the biggest one for San Jose is their starting midfielder, Jamiro Montero, received a late red card in that game against Colorado. Coming from a scuffle, he'd been trying to keep the peace, but he went to shove someone in the chest, missed, got him in the neck, red card, he's gone. That's good news for City. For City, we know Joaquin Nielsen's out for a while with his knee surgery, um, last thing I heard is I bet that Jabulo Bloom will be also be questionable for this. He's still sick. The uh, information I had earlier that, uh, he had not been training earlier in the week. So I'm going to think if he's been sick this long and he's been out of training, it's unlikely that he will get the start on Saturday, but I could be wrong. I'm not a doctor. Uh, Let's take a look at the San Jose Earthquakes because if you've watched them the last few years, they have not been a very good team at all with the very poorest defense, but they did some work in the offseason. They've shored up the talent on their team. They brought in uh, head coach Luchi Gonzalez, last of uh, last being a, an assistant coach with the U.S. men's national team under Greg Berhalter, and uh, they are coming in with uh, – Two wins and a loss, and that loss is deceptive. That was the first game of the season against Atlanta when Tiago Almeida, uh, in stoppage time, hit two golazos to win for Atlanta. Otherwise, this would be a matchup of two undefeated teams. San Jose is much better than you might remember from the last few seasons. The biggest strength of this team is their wing play, and the key to it all is Christian Espinoza. He's been an elite chance creator for a couple of years uh, now, even on some pretty awful teams in San Jose. Uh, and this makes them very dangerous on the break, which leaves City vulnerable. Uh, Espinoza's the orchestrator. Cade Cowell, the young man, has great size and speed. Carlos Acapo has been brought in, and he'll be bombing forward from a fullback position. Uh, Jackson Ewell uh, has been pressed forward in the midfield, going to his strengths, and his passing could be a difference on that. And Jeremy Obobese has shown last season that he can really finish off these chances. So going to see this a lot. It's a given thing for City. They're going to have to limit the opponents on the break if they do beat the press. Recovery defense is going to be very important, and it doesn't change here. A big difference for uh, San Jose being better this year is they brought in uh, former FC Dallas star Carlos Guerrezo, and he's doing just what he did with FC Dallas, giving a solid base on the defense, uh, giving them solidity, along with the pickup of Jonathan Mince's uh, center back. Uh, they're really much more solid in defense than they had been, which is good because they gave up 69 goals last year. Yeah, they definitely are very dangerous in the attack. Uh, when you've got players like Espinosa, Ewell, and Cowell up front, you really are going to be you're going to be dangerous in all forms. Um, they all not only are they great on the break, but they can also play well with possession. And in two of the their three matches so far, they've actually held sixty percent of said possession. They do well with that possession and have purpose with it. It's not just hey, let's pass across the back just to up our stat on that a little bit. 
They have some very incisive passing from that central midfield role that can get out wide to the wide players like Espinoza, like Ewell, like Cowell, that will then break up, usually on the right side specifically. Um, but in addition to that, it's the incisive passes. They have a lot of width. And in the end, what they're going to do if Espinoza can't use his individual efforts to strike another thunder bastard, as we've coined the term on this show, um, if he can't put a, a really dangerous shot on net, what's going to happen is one of those wide players is going to put a nice big cross on because you're going to have to double team them because they're just as dangerous out, out there as they are in the middle. Um, usually a center defender will slide out. That'll open up a lot of space for Jeremy Abobasi. He will get on a cross in the box and you cannot discount his skill in that six or even in that spot where he likes to set up in between the penalty spot and the six. So it's, that's going to be a big danger is trying to guard not only the individual effort long balls, but also those crosses in and getting their main point of attack, which is going to be a Bobasi. Yep. And uh, what you'll see is also the attack mainly earns on the right side from the wing because that's where Espinoza plays. And uh, he can kill you with a pass or with a shot. They also have a backup, uh, fullback, uh, Paul Marie, who last year had an amazing shot from outside. Got to watch him as well if he gets into the match. But that's what he brings. Really, San Jose seems pretty thin on the bench. And the loss of Jamiro Montero in the midfield to help with their attack is really going to hurt them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to hurt if if they have to sub out because someone's having a bad game. But at the same time, you know, what's more what's going to be more of a problem for them going forward is they they have a history of making bad decisions on tackles. Um, they've been known more so than most to make a bad ta a harsh tackle in a bad position high up the pitch, give high opportunity set pieces um discipline's not exactly been on their side as shown by Montero getting that red card they that there will be a card in this match for them I'm I can almost guarantee it so I I I, I would look forward to that and and there will be opportunities from set pieces that we may not have seen as much of even though you know we've scored a couple off of set pieces there will be set pieces and they're not exactly the best defending those um we they have shored up their defense a little bit, but you you can't turn a dumpster fire into world class in one season. Yes, and uh, also a thing to watch is uh, if they do those bad tackles or they miss on the tackle, City will be off and running. On the other side of that, City is about the best team so far this season in MLS in disrupting through tackles. They're very good at that. That's all part of their ethos. And uh, also, how well can they handle the ball out of the back? against the high press city gets those turnovers very high up the pitch they play a lot in the opponent's attacking side throughout the game city makes a mistake they've got to go the length of the field to uh, punish city for that whereas if uh, the opponent makes a mistake it's right there and the great scoring chances are right at their feet let's say uh, so yeah, the defense is something that's uh, weak for San Jose. It's much improved, but they were second worst defense in the MLS last year. That's a lot of lot of ground to cover in one off season. Yeah, and that that bad defense will lead to them not they, they don't play well with the lead. So even if we get into another situation like in Portland or every other match we've played this season where we go down a goal, they can't hold the lead. They can't sit back and try to protect it. Um, which usually in this league, the away teams are want to do. They will try to score early and then hold that lead and protect it. Um, because of the lack of defense, eventually what's going to happen is San Jose is going to have to try to keep pressing and adding to it because they know they're not going to be as strong in defense and holding said lead. Um, and in doing that, I mean, they, they play well from behind, but one of those is going to have to win out. And I think what's going to take over is them not being able to hold a lead. So even if we do go down, I think we'll have a chance to come back and really make them pay for that. Yeah. The, I think that's one of the things we're going to love about this. Another thing to love is, well, actually personally hate it. It's going to be cold on Saturday. Right now, the forecasted high is 33 degrees. I'm already having low. flashbacks to the Leverkusen friendly. Oh yeah. 22 degrees at night uh, with winds. Approaching 17 miles per hour. That's going to be pretty brutal out there, especially for all the pre-game 
extravaganzas going on. Uh, once you're inside the bowl, it's warmer, especially in the supporters section, closer to the field. Field's heated, so I'll be trying to get a seat up front on this one. Um, and are the earthquakes going to be able to adapt? You know, they come from fair weather. Plenty of rain out in California. Uh, but, uh, you know, soccer players get running. The cold doesn't really hurt them that bad. I don't think it's going to be brutal on the field. Uh, so it's probably not the uh, huge advantage. Uh, the huge advantage is Jamiro Montero, uh, giving them one less attacking threat and uh, it thins out a weak bench. And their weaker bench is something that uh, City can really exploit late in the match if they can help uh, run San Jose ragged uh, and get them all tired. Yeah, their their possession's going to be where we can really exploit them the most. Um, eventually, they're going to try to move centrally to you're going to have to use those central players to try to move the ball out. Um, but if we can clog up the midfield like we've been known to do, what's going to end up happening is they're going to have to do a lot of back passes and, and pass around the back to try to switch the point of attack. And in that moment, they're going to have all of their forward attacking players making runs to try to get into space. It's going to tire them out quick. And if the sooner we can get to that bench, the better. Um and in that possession, when you start switching it back and forth and swinging it along the back, eventually someone's going to make a pass that's not as crisp. Um, when you have players constantly running at you and pressuring you, you're going to make bad decisions, and those passes will get cut out. We will turn on the break, and it's it, it's going to be bad for them. We can really make them pay and exploit that possession by making them overpossess. Yeah, another thing in uh, City's favor, one thing got to love is they're at home in front of that crowd. Need everybody to show up, uh, stand up, dance around, chant. It'll help keep you warm as well. Uh, and uh, City plays the full 90. You know, the crowd gives them energy. It, it, here's a stat for you. Last season's MLS record for points won from losing positions was held by CF Montreal with 24 points from coming from behind. St. Louis City is already 38% of the way to equaling that tally with nine so far this season after three games. Yeah, if, if you can win, if you can claw points away from the hands of zero, that's always a good a good thing. Um, we saw it last season, not not so much last season, but the, the prior season for Nashville when they had all those ties and all those ties ended up getting them second place in the conference in the East. And anytime you can level a game or as we've shown, come back and win said game, whether you're on the road or at home, that's massive. And CF Montreal, we all know what they did last year, and they absolutely destroyed the league. Um, so we're well on our way to that, and if we can keep that up for the rest of the season, that's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, we've played well from behind. We ha we know how to shut down a lead late game. Uh, it's it, All things just point to a good result here. Yep. There is things to hate. Uh, one thing, uh, San Jose's coming in as the most informed team that City has faced so far in MLS. They're really on the up. Uh, their head coach, Luchi Gonzalez, is doing a very good job and has stabilized this team, and he's put players in possession positions to succeed. The big one, Grezo, coming in as a defensive midfielder, uh, pushing Jackson Ewell further forward, where his passing can be a difference maker while he's not a good defensive midfielder in that show the last couple of seasons. Got to be aware of, the, of them beating the press on the break. Uh, Got to be aware of Christian Espinosa wherever he is on the pitch. Uh, they get the ball. They're able to get possession in their own end. They can pull the defense apart uh, using the ball, uh, much like uh, Greg Berhalter's uh, plan with the U.S. men's national team in Columbus. Um, also anticipating that uh, Bloom... Will be uh, sick, maybe not ready to go a full game, uh, which will probably push uh, perhaps uh, Miguel Perez back into the starting lineup. Young kid, great promise, played well, but uh, you don't want to get him too overexposed, I don't think. And another thing to look out for is if Rasmus Alm is in the starting lineup or even if he comes off the bench, the guy is really doing a good job of getting himself in dangerous situations. He needs to start finishing those chances especially against a good team in form like uh, San Jose is this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's He needs to be better on, on the finish. He needs to be more clinical and actually put the put the balls on frame. Um, 
our left side is going to be absolutely run ragged this game. Mm-hmm. So that's that's Stroud and Nelson uh, with with Espinoza with a who was it a Capo you said down that on that yeah. on that back right side. They're they're going to have their hands full and their defensive side of the ball is going to be tested quite a bit to this this game. So it, it's you're not going to see as much of Nelson flying forward as we're used to. Uh, that might be more of Nerwinski's job. Nerwinski's job this game, um, but in reality, it's going to be those those individual efforts that you're going to find from Espinoza, from Yule, from Abobasi that are going to give us fits on that back line. Um, it's that it, it, there's that, and then you also have the fact that their passing is very well executed. It really can carve up a back line, um, and like I said earlier, it's. If they come down that right side, you have to pull a second player out to push press, put pressure on on Espinoza. It's going to free up space in that center for Obobasi to get on a cross. It's going to be a problem. But if we can measure that out and have one of our, say, our center mid slide out there instead of our center backs, we can mitigate that. Um, but hopefully Miguel Perez does not get the start here. I love the guy and he's playing very well. But I'm really hoping for Vasilev to start with alongside Lovin and then get Ostrak up front. Um, and who knows, we may come back out in that four four two that we saw uh, at the at the last home game, and that might be an interesting change of pace. We might see Joachini start up top with Klaus in a dual striker situation. Um, there, there's a lot of ifs, ands, or buts, and we're not really sure. And I don't want to try to get into Bradley Carnell's head too too much, just because. Every time I do, he always comes out and says something completely different and puts out a completely different formation. So, yep. And uh, summarize it all. Uh, St. Louis City is trying to venture into unfamiliar lands as they go for four straight wins to start their expansion year. Um, you know, at some point the party's going to stop. It's the nature of the sport. Is this going to be a bridge too far against a team that's in form? Uh, San Jose is competent and confident, however. City keeps on surprising us. Uh, the whole is greater than the parts, and saying that, the parts are better than uh, I think anyone really anticipated outside of the club itself. And there is, of course, the 12th man, the 22,500-person strong supporters section, as it was in that first home match with the entire stadium chanting and standing the entire match. Uh, that will give City the energy they need. Uh, to push him over the line. So time to make some predictions. I'm generally kind of pessimistic when I do these things, but this one, I think it's going to be a tight match, nervy, but city will win three, two is my pick. Um, I'll go ahead and give my three keys to the city for this week. Uh, first off, we've got location, location, location. Our off-ball movement's going to be crucial to trying to stifle that possession and make them have to rethink a pass before they make it. Uh, That'll cause some misdirection. It'll cause problems and mistake passes that will get cut out. Set pieces on both sides of the ball are going to be important, so make sure you mark up and and or get free into space on on attacking set pieces. And our center backs are going to need to stay central and not get sucked out to the wing too often, because if you get caught out of position, a Bobasi will make you pay by getting on the end of those crosses. Um, we're going to have to be, second point, second key, we're going to have to be apex predators here. We're on the top of the table, we're at the top of the food chain at the moment, use that to our advantage, strike at the right moments, take advantage of that poor defensive, defensive back line, continue to win the tackles and the duels. I think we have the highest number of tackles and duels won in in the league right now we need to keep on doing that and we need to be more deadly in our finishing and really when we pounce we need to strike hard and we need to strike fast and my last key is going to be arch it up balls over the top and arch him over that back line really put the ball on klaus's feet and let him do his best one-on-one um when you're running in from the from the opposite side curve your runs to get in behind the back line and really draw them out of position too to allow another player to come in that, you know, may not be seen as a quote unquote attacking threat. Um, and then also use our arch city hometown energy, make that home field advantage really shine through, re-energize those guys, be loud, be proud, be there, show up, make noise, whatever you want to call it. So that's, that's all we've got to do. 
I know it sounds like a lot, but I think we can do it. At the end of the day, I I'm going back and I've been going back and forth on this for a while. Um, I think we might get out of this one two nil, but if they end up scoring a goal, I think it might end up being two one. But I'm really hoping for a three one victory. But I, I I can't put myself down on a one of those three just yet. But my money is on two one. Yeah, there you go. You heard it from us. We're the final say. So City will win and go to four zero and zero on the season. We'll see how well that holds up Saturday. Uh, lots of pregame extravaganzas around. We planning on being at Schlafly with the Luligans, the Thieves, uh, the Punks will be there. Uh, STL Santos will be over at Befa's. I know No Nap City is going to be at uh, Union Station, and there'll be other parties all around the area. So get there early, uh, bundle up, and enjoy the day, and let's see if we can make some history on Saturday. So that's what we've got for the upcoming game on Saturday with San Jose, and now it's time for us to do our usual look at MLS and what's been happening around the league and uh, what have you got on that for us, Sean? Well, we'll start with some off-pitch news. And uh, it's never too early nor too late to get into transfer rumors and not to get too into the weeds of the rumor mill at the moment. But it seems that City is interested in using that third DP slot to pick up one Roberto Firmino. And that could be intriguing. Um, he's played very well for Liverpool in their last couple of seasons. And I... I It'd be interesting for sure to see how he would fit into this roster, especially with Klaus being so good up front in that number nine spot, because that would be Firmino's position as well. I would say uh, Firmino would probably take a place of like a second striker, like he's done at Liverpool. He would uh, play that very well, leading to Klaus if this comes to happen. But that's a big if. Uh, Word is LAFC also with a DP slot open is in for him. Rumors about uh, Philadelphia Union. Lutz Feinenstiel was at Hoffenheim when uh, Firmino came into the Bundesliga, came over to Europe, but so was Ernst Tanner of the Union on that. And plus, uh, Inter Milan is hot after him. It's going to be a lot of interested people across Europe. Uh, it's not a 0% chance he comes to City, but right now I'd put it at about 5% chance if I was being honest. Yeah, I don't see it being likely to happen um, just because it, it wouldn't it wouldn't even materialize until the summer transfer window for us anyway, because uh, that would be when his contract is up. Um, but even if he did, if he does, it would cause a big switch in the way that we play. I think we might see Joaquini get relegated to us only a sub and not getting that start in that four four two that we run out from time to time. Um, it, it, it would. I think it would throw more of a wrench into things than than we want to admit. And so I'm not sure how serious this rumor would be. But again, it's 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 always fun to think, just like it's always fun to think about a certain Argentine player coming to the MLS and playing in what was it, Inter Miami for Beckham's squad. Um I will not confirm nor deny that that is happening, but there are still always will be big rumors that Messi will be playing there this summer. Yeah, and uh with Firmino, he's used to playing this similar style with uh, Liverpool, so he would fit in quite well. And yes, I would put Nico Giacchini on the bench and play Roberto Firmino. In oh, abs- 100%. <laughs> you got a proven product that's still in his prime up front, and you have to play that. Um, but moving out of the out of the rumor mill and into actually more concrete news, We've got some injury updates. It looks like Insigne for Toronto FC is going to be out for four weeks with an injury. Um, looks like Andre Blake is going to miss at least one match, but potentially two with a groin injury. But it doesn't look to be as bad as was first feared. Big blow for Inter Miami as well on the injury front. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge blow. Gregore, it, their captain, is going to be out for six months with a foot injury. He recently had surgery to correct a Liz Frank injury, which is it could e- could mean either bones or ligaments and tendons in that middle part of the foot. Um, he's going to be out for the foreseeable future, and I believe the timetable puts him coming back right around September, mid-September. Yeah, on that end. Uh, they've been playing pretty well 
but he's a big part of the defensive midfield, uh, solidifying that. That's going to be a blow for them. And uh, he won't be around when uh, Miami, Inter-Miami comes to City Park on uh, July 15th. Well, that's a good thing for us and, you know, our League's Cup bouts. But we'll have to see how that rolls out. Um, let's go ahead and roll into the on-pitch updates. We'll just give a quick quick blitzed recap of each game that happened last week. And as you know, they're already a week old. So if you haven't seen the games already, then who knows how much of this you really care about. Uh, we'll go ahead and keep it in the West. And we'll start with the Whitecaps versus FC Dallas. This ended in a 1-1 draw. There was a very early flurry of attack for Dallas that ended up leading to a goal from Ibiega in the fifth minute. And then in the 34th minute, there was a deep throw from Brown for the Caps, and it ended up in an Areola own goal. It, it, on the whole, the first half was mostly FC Dallas, um, but in that second half, it was all Vancouver, and I'm really surprised they did not come back and win this game. Yeah, it's uh, going back to what FC Dallas did last year, score early, then try to sit on it and let the other team back into the match. It seems to be continuing over this season, at least in this match. And it'll eventually come back to bite them for sure. Uh, moving along, we've got a little bit of an interconference inter action here with FC Cincy hosting the Seattle Sounders. They end up winning this one 1-0. Uh, the first half, Cincy really settled in well, and the Sounders looked like they really needed something at the half to get back into this game. They did not find it. And in the 63rd minute, Brenner puts puts a shot on. Absolutely beautiful goal. Um, it was mostly Cincy almost all night. Seattle did not find anything that they really could use. They had some bite right after the goal, but nothing of any real danger. Um, even after in the 83rd minute, there was a card given to Hagland for Cincy that was after a VAR check turned into a red card. There was a tying goal in the 88th minute that VAR called back and said, nope, that is offside. I think actually that was a penalty on the lead up to the goal, but I could be wrong. I watched so many highlights, I might be getting confused with a different game. But uh, this game was very good. Uh, a lot of hype uh, for two good teams coming into it, and it lived up to that hype. And a big win for Cincinnati. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's always crucial when you can beat the Death Star and get all three points. Um, but moving to a game that we're going to pass through really quickly is is that one team from Kansas and the they were hosting the LA Galaxy, ended up a nil-nil draw, and honestly, if you put 30 shots on and can't score, you don't deserve to win games, and I think that's about enough that we can talk. That's all we really need to say about, you know, FKS. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they've got all of their DPs hurt again. Just keeps going, doesn't it? And yeah. All of them attackers, and it shows. Injury bug is gonna injury bug. It's gonna happen. Uh... Moving a little further out west, we've got RSL. They were hosting Austin, Texas, and I really want to know what was up with the lighting on that broadcast. Is that that that's confusing me? It looked like they were playing under a red light the entire game. But more importantly, uh, Austin takes the early lead with Gallagher scoring in the ninth minute with a Bardownski goal in the twenty-first minute. Justin Glad for RSL, um, he ties it up, and Austin don't look like they're totally connected in defense. Still continuing to have problems without Cascante. In the 33rd minute, though, Owen Wolf scores for Austin, Texas. And this is an interesting point because he becomes the eighth pair of father-son to have scored in the MLS because his father, Josh, who coaches said team, also has scored in the MLS in the past. In the second half, things really opened up. You got chances at both end, including goal called offside for each team. Both teams hit the post at one point. It very easily could have been 3-4-1 or four, one Austin because they really had the better of the chances. Yeah, and uh, for Real Salt Lake, uh, their center back, uh, Justin Glad, came in the season saying he wanted to get five goals. He already has two. Sounds pretty good. What's bad is that's a, uh, making up 66% of the goals for RSL so far this season. Yeah, you you really you really can't win very many games if your leading goal scorer is your center back, unless you're yeah. relying on set pieces for all of your goals. Moving up north, we've got another interconference action. We've got the Loons tying New York Red Bulls one one, and we got a snow game. Everybody, it's the first one of the year, and I guarantee you it won't be the last. 
Uh, the Loons got the scoring started early. I believe it was on a corner kick in the 18th minute. Luangwane gets a goal for the Loons. And they go into the half up 1-0 in the absolute flurry that was the snow match. In the 49th minute, though, coming out of the half, Reyes for the Red Bulls has a really good header, puts it on frame, puts it behind the keeper, ties it up at 1-1. And honestly, when it comes down to it, the Loons are looking just fine without Reynoso. They have bite in the attack. They have some pretty good defense. Maybe they could just use a little bit more finishing, but I'm going to blame that on the snow this week. Yeah, and uh, without Reynoso, they're kind of converting into a real defense and counter team. And uh, that's generally when sometimes they've been at their best. Yeah, it really just goes to show that you can't have one specific player dictate the entire game. And if you do, you rely on it too much. But luckily, they're not relying on it because they don't have to anymore. One last game out in the West, LAFC, the Juggernauts, were hosting the Juggernaut from a couple seasons ago of the Revolution. And Buonga really, it was Buonga's game, 100%. In the 14th minute, he gets PK buries it he scores in the 67th minute uh timothy tillman scores in the 83rd minute and then stipe buke in 90 plus six in stoppage time scores again putting the revel the not the revolution putting lafc up for nothing and this was buanga's third contribution on the on the match and anytime you can have one player con- contribute to three separate goals is going to be a good game yeah, and with Boanga, he had a real chance to actually score that goal, but instead he gave it up to Stipe Buk uh, for the youngster to open his MLS account with the goal. And who boy, um, LAFC looks like a damn wrecking ball so far. Uh, you know, they're going to be a force in CONCACAF Champions League, the League's Cup, and they might be derailed when it comes to Europe. Europe's off-season transfer window because Buanga, Zavuentes, and Palacios, any of those, all of those could get offers that LAFC just can't resist. But at the moment, they look awfully, awfully good. Speaking on that that CCL, um, interesting stat from last season in, it was the teams that went, that played a midweek game, came back and were 0-4 and 0 being for losses, not for draws in games after a CCL tie and then in this game in this in this match week they went I want to say it was 3 and 2 3 0 oh, and 2 I believe yeah it was absolutely it it's just showing that the, that the league is on the rise and the depth is really there um that about closes it up for the western conference we'll go ahead and jump into the eastern conference won't spend too much time on these just because we won't play many of them this season uh, but we'll start with one we've already played and Charlotte hosting Caleb Wiley and they lost zero to three to Caleb Wiley, who scores in the fifth minute and again in the stoppage time of the first half at 45 plus two. Arujo also scored in the 12th minute for Atlanta and it was the ended up being the Quickest two goals in their history, but more importantly, at the end of the day, Caleb Wiley becomes the third youngest player in the league to have three goal contributions in a half, in a single half, and the important bit is it's happened four times, and two of them by the same player, the youngest and second youngest technically being Alfonso Davies, who did it at 17 years old back in 2018, twice, just a couple match days apart. Bobby Convey all the way back in 2001 did it at 17 years old, but about 100 days older. And Caleb Wiley now at 18 years old has done it again. And if he can continue to produce on this level, he may end up jumping over to Europe just like Davies did and becoming as big of a product as Alfonso Davies has. Yep. uh, Boy, Charlotte, (laughs) there is nothing working in the attack, in the defense for Charlotte. Isn't that a shame? Um, it really looks like every player is just playing out of position. And um, you can see the frustrations. They're, they're really manifesting with their whining at the officials all the time. Uh, things are not good in Charlotte right now, but uh, there's still time for them to turn it around. But right now, the future does not look promising for a team that a lot of people thought was going to be much, much better this season. It really seems like we stole the crown from them and we don't have any intentions of giving it back. For sure. 
Uh, moving along, we've got the Union hosting the Fire, and this was a real hard-fought grind of a match. There were 11 cards in this game, including two second yellows, both of which for the Fire. Um, when it comes down to what happened, don't want to get too into it, but Herbers gets a second yellow, and I've seen that second yellow given as a straight red before. It it was just late. It was uncalled for. It didn't need to happen. Yeah, the at first it looked like he went in studs high, but he actually missed. And I was watching uh, instant replay on uh, MLS season pass, and uh, they were looking at it and said that uh, Christina Uncle was doing the the commentary on the show and said that, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of contact, may have been just a foul, except he was late, so he got that second yellow. But yeah, it, it was a hard-fought grind of a match on both sides for this one, really. Um, this is the game that Andre Blake went down in. Uh, eventually, in the 90th minute, Torres scores for the Union. That moment reminded me a bit of Robert Green. Keeper went down, put his arms out, and just kind of shuttled it behind himself. And, you know, it's it's the backup keeper. He hasn't played probably in what? two, three years, but that's beside the point. Uh, getting into Kamara, also getting a second yellow in stoppage, and you have to look at that and say, why on earth are you putting your arms that close to somebody's head when you're going into going into a, a, a competition for a ball when you're already on a yellow card? Just really not smart. 100% just a bad idea. But uh, the Union come away with a win, get all three points. Yeah, and on this, I, I don't understand why CF Montreal let Torres go. He's come into Philadelphia, and he's channeling his inner Ilsenio. And right now, he's MLS's most impactful super sub. He's been fantastic for him so far this season. Moving right along, we've got a Canadian draw here. T Toronto FC was hosting the Columbus Crew. There was a goal in the 25th minute for Kerr for Toronto FC, and Jimmy Madronda comes on and almost immediately makes an impact scoring in the 77th minute. Originally, it was called offside, but VAR said, hey, wait a minute, go look at that. They called it good, and honestly, there really wasn't much else in this one. The crew probably should have had a second one, but they just couldn't finish the ball. Yeah, not much to say about this one. Moving back further east, we've got NYCFC hosting Inter-Miami and winning 1-0, and I just have to say that those Yankee Stadium smokestacks with the NYCFC on them, just they just look like upturned cigarettes, but that's beside the point. I always get a dig it on NYCFC if I can. Uh, in the 36th minute, we have the only goal, and it was a Miami-owned goal. There was a couple of goals called back for offsides in this one. NYCFC, they really had their foot on the gas, and they had a lot of great opportunities, but they just couldn't finish anything legally. Uh, and it looks like Inter-Miami is really missing Pozuelo, honestly. Yeah, they're missing him a little, but, uh, you know, Campagna is out injured, so that partnership with up front with him and Joseph Martinez uh, hasn't got a chance to click yet. Joseph is looking pretty lively and just missing some uh, goals already. He gets a second striker service from Campania, who he was so good at feeding uh, Gonzalo Higuain last season. Uh, that should help him a bit, but that loss of Gregory to that Liz Frank is really going to hurt Miami. Speaking of clicking, though, there is a team that's looking to be clicking better than I ever thought they would this season. We've got D.C. United hosting Orlando. They draw this game 1-1. Pedro Galese ends up standing tall yet again, and all game he's just standing on his head. He lets one in late. Um, originally, Orlando had the lead in the 53rd minute from McGuire. And in the 80th minute, late in the game, Durkin scores for DC United, and DC are looking so much better under Rooney this season, and they really do seem to be clicking, and eventually those points are going to come. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of fight in this uh, United team this season, unlike last season. Uh, they don't have a lot of talent, but they don't give up, and I don't think they're going to be the wooden spoon winners for a second straight season. No, they are definitely showing a lot better than I ever expected. But speaking of expectations, we have a team that gave us exactly what we should expect from them. They are who we thought they were. Nashville SC hosts CF Montreal, and they win 2-0. In the 37th minute, Schaffelberg scores another Bardownski goal, and it's absolutely gorgeous. In the 89th minute, Washington scores that second goal for Nashville. It was really a very disappointing game for CF Montreal. They look to have an equalizer, but Nashville will kill you on the break if you don't finish your chances. 
this really was just a textbook Nashville match. Yeah, and uh, Schaffelberg coming over from Toronto has been killing it for Nashville so far. A lot of that has to do when you get passes from Hani Mukhtar, who's been superb this season. Uh, all you have to do is finish him, and Schaffelberg is finishing him so far. And uh, speaking of who's going to win the Wooden Spoon, it's much more likely to be Montreal than D.C. United this season right now, the way it looks. Well, that's what happens when you go from, you know, being top of the league to selling all of your talent in one season. Yeah. Moving on from MLS, we do have some CONCACAF Champions League updates, though the second legs have not all been finished. All MLS teams have finished their play. But before we get into that, I just want to note mention that the Seattle Sounders have automatically qualified for the 2025 Expanded Club World Cup, as the new rules say that the CONCACAF Champions League winners from 2021 to 2024 will be qualifiers for this new 32-team tournament. And if someone were to win the, win the CCL two times in that span, they will then pick the next highest rated club from between the leagues in the FIFA club rankings. Getting into actual results, the Philadelphia Union advance and Austin FC are absolutely shamed in a historic <laughs> upset by Violette FC. Vancouver Whitecaps breeze past Real Espana with, I want to say it was, what, 7-3 to three aggregate? Yeah, and they or lost the second leg, but when you win the first one on the road, 5-0, you've got a pretty good chance of winning the leg. The, oh, absolutely. The it's, round, that's for sure. There's one way to make sure you win this, and it's to score goals. And there's one way to make sure you lose it, and that's to not score goals away from home. And Orlando learned that one the hard way as they are out on away goals as the first tiebreaker on a tied aggregate score between the two legs. So as it yep. stands, we Orlando have... look good going up against Tigres and giving them all they could handle over the two legs. Um, let's see if that fires up Tigres and gets them all hot and heavy into CCL this year. I think, if anything, it gives us a better look into what's going to happen in the League's Cup because even the middling teams like Orlando, are going to be a problem for some of these Liga MX squads, for sure. Especially when you look at the fact that both leagues are taking a full-on break and they're not going to have to balance their fixtures. They can just put a full roster out and they won't have to rotate as heavy. Um, but as it stands, two MLS teams advance, two do not. So let's go Caps, let's go Union, and hopefully we can get back-to-back -back MLS champions. Oh, you forgot to put in here LAFC one as well. There's three MLS teams still alive. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I did not do my research. Call me out. Lambast me. Put me on blast. Do whatever you have to, fans. Please call me out on this so I do better next time. But yes, I forgot there were five teams because Vancouver qualified through the Canada Cup. Um, but yes, LAFC does advance. And so we have three teams. I don't want LAFC to win, but I think they have the best chance out of the three of the teams left outside of maybe the Union, but I think LAFC have the better chance. I think they have better depth. Yeah, Philadelphia put in a professional performance across these two legs as well. Um, didn't get themselves. They rotated well, had a lot of depth in there, still handled the business, and they move on. So they're looking good in this competition as well. Speaking of international competition, though, we'll get into that last bit of news for everybody um, we have some off-pitch news. The World Cup for 2026, we have a confirmation of group stage formation. It's going to be 12 groups of four, and we're doing that damn third place thing again. Um, it's definitely preferable to three group team, three team groups, for sure. Uh, it'll lead to 104 total games throughout the World Cup. There will be eight games maximum for each team instead of the normal seven with this expanded playoff. And I'm just curious as to how they're going to do tiebreakers. We'll see how that goes once we get more information. And as that comes along, we will pass it along to you. We do also have the announcement of what they're calling the Continental Classico, where the USA and Mexico will face off in an unofficial friendly not recognized by FIFA that will be post-Nations League. And I don't know if they'll have the same camp for that or if they'll call different players up and interchange that or not. Yeah, this is silly. It's going to be a C team against a C team. Uh, guess you need to get your work in when you automatically qualify and don't go through World Cup qualifiers in this cycle. Yeah, uh, I so mean the depth players deserve games. games. The depth yep. player deserve depth 
depth players deserve games as well. Um, speaking of Nations League, we do have a U.S. men's national team roster. I don't want to get too far into it. I'm just going to read off the list of players that we've got. And then if there's any surprises, we'll mention those as they come up. The keepers, pretty standard. Horvath, Stefan, Turner. Defenders, we've got Serginho Dest. Mark McKenzie gets another call up. Tim Ream, Brian Reynolds, Anthony Robinson, Miles Robinson, doing well back from injury. Joe Scally and Austin Trusty. In the midfield, we've got Brendan Aronson, Johnny Cardoso. Luca De La Torre, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa, and Alan Sonora. And for the forwards, we have Taylor Booth, Daryl DK, Ricardo Pepe, Christian Pulisic, Tim Weah, Gio Reyna, and Alex Zendejas, who has officially signed his commitment to the U.S. men's national team after refusing to sign that one-time switch to play for Mexico. And my first thought here is, where's Jesus? Uh you know, MLS is playing through this window. Um, maybe Dallas just didn't really want to see him go, and the U.S. goes, well, we got four years until the World Cup. Uh, we'll get some other guys in and take a look at him. Seems to be the case with other ones left off, like uh, Cameron Carter Vickers got a little knock. Josh Sargent got a little knock. Uh, there's some other ones out there. You know, they're, they can still play for their club, but the U.S. is just like, no, we don't need to give them damage now. Let's save them up for the summer. Yeah, that that that's totally fair. Um, but my biggest surprise here is Adams is out with an injury, but calling in Johnny Cardoso and Alan Sonora, I don't think I've ever seen Sonora play for the U.S. And Johnny Cardoso, I don't know if that's a real like-for-like -like substitution there in any way, shape, or form. No, yeah, I'm not going to get too twisted up about uh, the Nations League early rounds this far out from the World Cup. So, no, nah, we'll see as, how they do. As those games come out, we will. I will likely have some sort of information about you as those games get played. But we don't want to get too into the weeds on that either. One last thing regarding the Nations League: it does look like there are rumors of a call up for one Kyle Hebert, but that is yet to yet to be materialized and. As much as I want him to get that call up and be recognized, I'm not sure we can do without him because he seems to be the preferred starter over Josh Yarrow at the moment. Yeah, especially since it uh, appears as if uh, Jabula Bloom will get a call up for South Africa during this window and uh, don't want to lose two starters for that uh, March 25th game in at Rio Tinto and Real Salt Lake. Um, that's going to be a tough one coming up on the 25th. Well, that's all I've got for other non-city-related news. So, Mike, if you've got anything else? Nope, I think that's it. And uh, I'll just say I'm your host, Mike Turner. And I'm your resident cave-dwelling hooligan, Sean. And we are the Soccer Capital Podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.